This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Coach Hogg here in the uh, manly Warthog Man Cave for a little while today. Inside the Melbourne Law Studio, 50 years of experience, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators, and of course, protected by crime prevention, cpss.net 24 7 365. And check out the mugshots to see if you know anybody and make sure you're not on there. Well, 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 you know, what a long tail our cat has. You know, those of us who have been waiting around for wait till next year, and, um, you know, we've got the magic. Uh, Poaching now, we got the right guy now, and this and that one another uh, has done nothing but produce more consternation in Gatorland as the search goes on for Nirvana. Somehow, some way, it's in the imaginations of the Gator fan, loyal, whatever, that somewhere in this great, expansive USA, there dwells a coach that can come in and wave a wand and restore the glory of the great days which were really mostly measured against how Steve Spurrier did both as a player and as, of course, a, a coach. And then to some extent, Urban Meyer, who produced a couple of winners and a trophy uh, for the Heinzman and all that. But other than that, it's all been, you know, a nip and tuck and, you know, try this shoe on and see how it fits. And, you know, this, that, one, and another. I go back. Let's set the record straight here. Do I go back to my first uh, University of Florida football game? was uh, as a student in 1961, okay? So I've seen a lot of this stuff. And I can speak about it from historical perspective. You know, I can name the Tom Battens and the Tommy Shannons and uh, these people who were here, Larry Libertors and uh, Lindy Infantes and uh, all these people who have come through the University of Florida uh, as we sought uh, somehow, some way to get over what Coach Graves had a reputation for being a seven and three coach. Coach Graves was just known as a hopeless uh, seven and three guy. He came here with a philosophy of coaching and he brought from Bobby Dodd, which was, you know, to be a gentleman and uh, give your players the benefit of the doubt and plenty of leeway and, and uh, let them enjoy the game. And he always was uh, sort of dressed on the sideline and some, and then, you know, uh, finery, not what we see nowadays. We see coaches and they're just look like they're the socks and jocks, if you will. And they're, they're sweats. And they're down there more often than not, uh, as if they just showed up for yet another practice. I'm a kind of an old-fashioned guy here. I, I, I long for the days when you would see uh, Vince Lombardi dressed up, and you'd see a coach uh, uh, from the Dallas Cowboys with a top hat on, and even the old crusty guy from the Chicago Bears. The only really kind of renegade in all this was Woody Hayes, who really liked to challenge the manhood of everybody by appearing on the sideline in the Ohio State games in frigid weather, sub-zero as often can be there, and nothing but a short sleeve uh, white shirt with a tie and some sort of Ohio State baseball-type baseball hat on. 
And he would love to go out there and refuse to put on any covering, uh, absolutely be daring and is a manhood example. And the story was that as soon as that game was over, you could find Woody Hayes in the shower with the heat of of the water turned up as high as it would go, standing there about 25, 30 minutes to thaw himself out. But nobody ever saw that, of course. And and, uh, so he enjoyed the reputation of the Big Ten tough guy until he was a tough guy and slugged one of his own players. And I guess it pushed it over the limits, and that was sort of the end of Woody Hayes. But um, there always been really some characters on the sideline. Charlie uh, uh, Charlie Pell smoked uh, on the sideline, and uh, you know that 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 so did Bear Bryant. Uh, Bear Bryant was was a big smoker. Of course, it eventually killed him. And um, so there've been all sorts of characters in coaching. And having been in that world for a while, I can uh, tell you firsthand that. Uh, a lot of the stories that you get to hear in the public are way, way, way far away from the real ones behind the scene. I mean, there's some of the most fantastic uh, stories that you could possibly tell. But we always protect the citizens. We always protect the fans. And uh, we don't let everybody in the locker room to know what goes on. Um, it's, it's just one of those things that has uh, maybe changed. I haven't been around that world recently, but I suspect it has. And I think now we have the tail wagging the dog. And that's kind of the theme for today because I'm going to launch into a little bit of an analysis of a kind of a strange incident that occurred uh, that I think is really, once again, more here than meets the eye. Now, in case you have been um, in La La Land and you haven't been paying attention, um, there was a young man named Marcus Stokes. Um, now, Marcus Stokes is a, is a Caucasian lad. Um, he is a, not a, a, a super, super... Uh, star guy. I think he's about a three-star guy, uh, which is okay. You know, it's uh, can't get anything else. Take a three-star guy, and um, he he's um, he's uh, was re- scheduled to come here to the University of Florida, and um, it was a four-star guy. I'm looking at all these different news uh, uh, reports on this situation, which I'm going to try to put together and share with you during Coach Hogg's locker room. But he was uh, scheduled 2023 four-star quarterback. Marcus Stokes, and um, the, the, um, he, was current, he was ranked as the number 23 quarterback nationally in the 247 sports composite and the number 77 prospect in the state of Florida and the number 392 prospect in the nation. Now, he was going to be uh, heir apparent to the quarterback slot for the University of Florida, and, 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 and this happens to figure into it as near as I can figure. You know, it's um, – it's not something that uh, uh, is blatantly compared, but, you know, Coach Hogg knows some things that are, um, you know, behind the scenes quite often. And I suspect there's something behind the scenes here uh, that uh, we need to sort of at least uh, talk about. Now, uh, here the kid was. Now, he's Caucasian um, and he's um, into rap music. And that's okay. You know, a lot of guys are. I mean, you know, it doesn't really seem to be uh, especially limited to uh, the so-called black rap artists. Uh, uh, you know, the white guys rap, too, and, and they pick up that, uh, that type of uh, poetry, if you will, about violence and, and women being, beyond, you know, I'm going to say the word because this is a family show. Uh, but you know what I'm saying, the, the, uh, the violence and the, and the glorification of violence which the rap music has uh, always been, I think, in a way, very admirably turning into poetry. 
Um, I, I didn't have any problem with Tupac Shakur, for example. I thought the kid was pretty brilliant. But be that as it may, the N-word is all, for, oh, the N-word. Isn't it amazing how we've reduced it to uh, uh, just one uh, letter of the alphabet? And the N-word, and it seemed, that seems to be okay, but you add the rest of it to it, uh, and uh, then you got problems. So that's what happens in the rap music. And uh, Snoop Dogg Dog, Snoopy Doggy Dog, all the, who's now selling the um, beer on the beach with a white dude. It's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing how you can take that and parlay it into uh, middle stream, m- m- middle class <laughs> America. So, uh, and, you know, so you can't really fault the kid, I guess, for being enamored with a, uh, a music sensation. This kid, uh, Marcus Stokes, unless, and here comes really the, the secret kind of question, unless you've got a better quarterback, that all of a sudden rides into town on a, on a bigger horse, which I tell you, it's just too convenient to be dismissed as uh, a selfie related to the action of the University of Florida. Because the kid spoke, all, the kid, Marcus Stokes, um, what he did is he posted on social media, uh, and we all know about social media, how it's uh, just you know filled with censorship and hypocrisy and double standards and you know Biden's on Twitter but Trump and all this kind of stuff. Uh, we get yanked from you. We know all about this. So here the kid is says this is his statement he released after the University of Florida yanked his scholarship. He says I was in my car listening to rap music, rapping along to the words, and posted a video of it on social media. He said in a tweet. Now, if that's so, the way this reads in his public statement, he didn't write the words, nor was he the the person in the video, the rap video with the rap music and the rap N-word. He was in his car listening to the rap music, which some other dude made. I don't even know what. It was. I suppose I could research and or ask one of the kids and they'd know right away. Uh, it was rapping along to the words and posted a video of it on social media. And he said that in a tweet. So, my golly, here we've got the kid tweeting and we've got him posting on social media, which we assume we, we know what that is. And, and he's singing a song, which is obviously somewhere on social media. But he didn't make it and he didn't originate it, but he's singing it. And so he posts this on social media. Now, in his world, I'm going to imagine that that is something he thought would get him accepted in the world that he's about to be a part of. Huh? Are you with me on this? I'm sure he's not the only player or young person who has repeated the words of rap music rather routinely. And many of those words we know are filled with the so-called N-word. So this is a little bit interesting, is it not, my friends? So he says, I was in my car listening to rap music, rapping along to the words, and posted a video of it on social media, he said in a tweet, 
I deeply apologize for the words in the song that I chose to say. So what he's doing, he's repeating the words that he didn't write, that he didn't originate, but he just repeats them and he's singing along. Now, you know, I sing along with Elvis Presley, Blue Moon, uh, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. You know, come on now, but you know, a hound dog is socially acceptable. I guess though, there's a, probably a PETA person out there who could object to hound dog, but you know, there's an objector for everything. But this is the fashionable objection now. The N-word has become the stylistic objection. And so the kid stumbles across it. It was hurtful. Oh, boy, now you've got to say that. It was hurtful, although we know the rap music's been repeated and sung and who sang it and all that business, and offensive to many people. What people? What people? You know, it's like an old buddy of mine used to say, he would, you know, when I was in the, uh, the weightlifting world, these guys that I worked out with would go clean out a buffet, shamelessly. They'd go in there and it'd be all this chicken and it was all you could eat. And what, what the proprietor didn't understand is that the weightlifting crew was fixing to come in and take them up on this all you can eat. And my golly, you know, you'd see chicken bones pile up in the middle of that table when four or five uh, uh, iron freaks came in there. And one day I was at that table. Um, you know, I was at the table, I admit it. And a lady came along and said, aren't you all ashamed of yourself? Uh, uh, people are starving all over the world and you're having all this, you're self-indulging is what you say, in excessive amounts of this food. And one of the quips that came from one of the, you know, IQ challenge guys with me, which wasn't so IQ challenge, was lady, if people are starving all over the world, name one. Well, she, of course, couldn't name one. So if this is offensive to many people, name one. Well, I'll tell you who it turned out to be offensive to. Coach Billy Napier, evidently. Evidently. So he yanks the scholarship on the kid. And he says, I respect the University of Florida's decision to withdraw my scholarship offer to play football. When going along, uh, my intention was never to hurt anybody. And I recognize that even when going along with a song, uh, this is where we are now, just going along with the song, my words still carry a lot of weight. Wow. I will strive to be better. Here's the moral high ground. Here really is the hypocrisy. We've traced it all the way back to student hyphen athlete. Come on, are you kidding me? I mean, especially in name, image, and likeness. Are you kidding me? That, that student actually is one of the factors when somebody comes along and gives a guy a brand new Lamborghini. Come on, is that what you're saying? So his words carry a lot of weight. Um, he's going to strive to be better and to become the best version of myself, both on and off the field. On and off the field. I know that learning from my mistakes is a first important step. Now, this is from a guy who currently ranks as the number three quarterback nationally. And up until then, and I'm going to put in the kicker here in a minute, uh, he was the guy that was going to – and listen, I think I happen to think there's a perfectly good quarterback behind Richardson. And after Saturday, which we're going to get into in a minute, the kid should be playing. Well, have you ever heard uh, of a kid named 
Jaden Rashad. He's a four-star quarterback, okay? Now, our, our young fellow here was also a four-star quarterback, but Jaden Rashad, a black kid, I believe he's from California. All of a sudden, guess what? Now, get this. He's from California. He flipped his commitment from Miami to Florida. Let me ask you something about character. Let me just ask you. I, 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 I'm just wondering what you, what you think. Uh, what, what, what do you think about character? When I'm just got my own sound here coming back at me. Um, here is a kid who sang a song he didn't write. It would have been perfectly okay, but he'd put it on social media. Here is a guy named uh, Jaden Rashada. Are you with me now? Follow me on this. Who makes a commitment to a college and then, quote unquote, decommits. In other words, breaks his word. Breaks his word. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Or is that something that's worth teaching? Is that something that's worth prioritizing as a character trait? Is it? I'm just asking you. So here is a kid, Jaden Rashada. You can believe what you want to. And this is in uh, uh, this is an article taken from Gene Frenette in the Thomas uh, Florida uh, Times Union. You can believe what you want to about this world that these guys are living in. But when this kid, Jaden Rashada, decommitted from Miami, he's a Pittsburgh, California, four-star quarterback. And that he has now updated, updated his commitment to Florida. He has a 43-second video post on Twitter, which contains clips of UF quarterback Anthony Richardson. Probably he's never listened to a rap song. And former Heisman Trophy winner Danny Warfel. I doubt very much he has. And this video begins, was, as I understand this, from Frenetta. Begins with this youngster, youngin, stepping out of a blue Lamborghini, the vehicle, the Florida Gators arranged for him to pose with inside the swamp on his recruiting visit. I'm just going to look over here at the chat line and see if anybody else finds this as bizarre as I do. Huh? I mean, I just find this bizarre. But, you know, maybe it's just me. I mean, I go back to the days when the coaches had a tie on and, you know, anyway, here we go. Uh, he went to Miami, committed to Miami. He had a California-based attorney, Michael Caspino, and you get him involved, you get the Gator Collective involved. And according for, for the uh, Florida Times Union writer, this becomes a Hatfield versus McCoy's exchange. Now, Caspino refuted charges that Rashada chose UM strictly for an alleged $9.5 million offer by a booster there, John Riz, uh, and that his client 
left millions on the table because Florida, are you ready for this? Florida offered uh, Rashada $11 million. Hello, hello. I, it's too early for me to have an adult beverage, but I will take a sip of coffee. I can't make this stuff up. This is in the public press by sports writers who job it is to know this stuff. So according to this sports writer from the Times Union, Florida offered the kid $11 million, which is why he flipped from UN, uh, UM for 9.5. And I suppose we can go find that Lamborghini uh, video without much trouble. And the California kid, of course, has learned to be a little shrewder uh, than our, our, our youngin who put the social media N-word up. He denies that his commitment to Miami had anything to do with money. Oh, hello, 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 hello. Well, maybe it didn't have anything to do with money for him, but it dang sure did for the colleges. Um, so something made the Rashada fill his heart with gator love. So writes Gene Frenetti. Or Gene Frenette. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but so he writes. Something suddenly filled Rashada, and he, and, and he didn't use the N-word. He didn't post a rap song. And all of a sudden, let me ask you, once Rashada has this change of commitment, uh, does our hapless youngin who sang the rap song become uh, our, our youngin Marcus Stokes? Doesn't he become in the way? Isn't he in the way? Really? So I've talked to some guys off the record here, and they say that's what the story really is. Stokes became really in the way and conveniently played into the hands of the University of Florida by innocently stepping in it and offering them a good excuse. Allegedly, this is all alleged stuff now, and God knows if you can get the truth. I'm just going to put out the numbers here, and you draw your own conclusions. So the Florida fans were furious at the time Rashada committed to Miami, and um, the pressure is enormous on Napier, and we'll get to that in a moment, how this world of recruiting and transfer portals and coaching, um, you know, desperado, hopeless aspirations have put enormous pressure on them to, to actually produce and get out of the words to stop talking and stop saying, oh, here's the process. And here, here at Florida, we're going to develop the student athlete. And here, you know, come on. And, uh, you know, I'm going to get into that in a moment in the comparative budgets, budgets at football budgets between Vanderbilt and the University of Florida. It'll blow your mind. So this is all got the collectives involved in it. It's got uh, booster money involved in it. You talk about dark money in politics. 
There is more dark money in athletics right now than there is in politics. I mean, and that's saying a heck of a lot. So uh, it's even down to the place now where we can offer a high school kid money. So the original intent, I suppose, you know, it's like all good deeds shall be uh, shall, shall be punished or shall not go unpunished. Emmett Smith and those guys always complained about how number 22 was used by the university to make money and they never got a nickel off it. And this kept being a refrain and refrain and refrain. Now, now Steve has graciously given back, you know, University of Florida wanted to retire the, the number 11 because of Steve Spurrier. He said, no, you know, you're not going to do that. Yeah, I do that. And he didn't. So, Now we've got an arms race. We've got higher resource power five schools loading up their collectives, building up their war chest. When it started out just to be maybe hopefully a way for a kid to get a little bit of money off his number 22. Although he was getting a college uh, scholarship, Emmett Smith didn't, he, he left. He never Years later, he came back and completed when he easily could afford to buy it, pay the freight to come in. So this has become really kind of a, a strange story, um, a really strange story in that uh, this kid, Stokes, has now got to go out on public record and beg forgiveness and say that, uh, wow, 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 I was a, I'm a bad person. I used the N-word. When it's perfectly okay to be a good person, break your word, get in bed with the dark money, and play the collective game, and nobody accuses you of being a bad person. In fact, they probably call you a good businessman. You know, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think it's more than passing strange. And I don't think it's the last we're going to hear of. This type of stuff is not going away. It's only going to get worse and it's going to get more. Let me just give you some numbers. I looked up a little bit before the show. What do you think the football budget is now? I've got guys that listen to the show who are boosters and, you know, they probably know a little bit more about this. And I invite them to correct me uh, if, if I've got the numbers off. But this is what is publicly available. The University of Florida Gator football budget is $90.2 million. Okay. Check me out on that. Make sure I'm not crazy. Ninety point two million. Okay. The Vanderbilt football budget is twenty nine point two million. Now it's about a third of the University of Florida's budget, and it is truly a student hyphen athlete school. 
I was accepted to Vanderbilt. I can tell you that the standards are very, very high. It is the Ivy League, truly the Ivy League school of the SEC, not Florida. Florida is nowhere near an Ivy League school. Vanderbilt in its style, its history, its funding, uh, all that is truly um, a kind of Harvard of the South. Not, not Florida. And probably much talk has been out there forever about them maybe not even being deserving to be in the SEC, particularly when they up against the budgets of Auburn and even Ole Miss, certainly LSU, Tennessee. $29.2 million football budget, $90.2 million for the University of Florida. And you know the rest of the story. Vanderbilt beats the living snot out of Florida Saturday. In one of the strangest, and this goes back to the opening of this section where I've been watching these games since 1961, in one of the strangest Florida football games I've ever seen. I, I just have not figured out what they're thinking. It, it just really... It makes no sense. And the Richardson kid throws the ball over the back end of the end zone for the last throw. Inexplic I don't know why. I, I don't know why. We've got other quarterbacks. Things, something is wrong. Something is fundamentally wrong. And in the postgame analysis of this or interview by Napier. He said the game was simple. Let me, let me beg to differ with him. The coaches have made it complicated. The coaches and the boosters and the emphasis on all this business of money has made it a very complicated game. And the coaches meddle constantly in the playing of the game, second by second, down by down. They've got guys in the press box. They've got guys on the sidelines. They've got a staff at Florida that's got more people on the staff than they do football players. All paid well. There's something wrong here. There's some madness. Uh, I, I don't suppose you can blame the coaches. It's the culture, I guess, that has no problem with a kid breaking his contract and getting in associations with dark money, but has a lot of problems, at least on the surface, and I don't quite believe this, really. I don't believe there was that much uh, disdain for Stokes for simply posting what he was repeating that he didn't originally sing and create. I think it was an excuse. That's my opinion. I think it was an excuse. But he's joining practically an all-black team. But it's not his first rodeo. He's been playing this game with all kinds of kids on the team. Except, no, very seldomly do you have an Asian. Every once in a while, we have, a, we have a really great Miami Dolphin quarterback. 
But but basically that that doesn't it really doesn't fly when you look at it. I mean, these kids been around this stuff. They sing this stuff. That ain't no problem. In fact, it's almost a dadgum uh, tip of the hat to the people who wrote it. That you would repeat and sing it. Yeah, I only sang Elvis Presley stuff because I liked Heartbreak Hotel. Don't be cruel. You know, pure heart is true. I don't want no other love. Baby, you're the still one I'm thinking of. Well, you know, I dang, I sang it because I, hey, I liked it. I liked what they did. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It is the goofiest thing I think I've been around in a long time. I want to end our halftime talk here, uh, Coach Locker Room. Tennis, and this is a strange story has come to its senses and is going to let Djokovic into Australia without being vaccinated. Probably the greatest tennis player in the world right now that Federer is gone and Nadal is getting older. Although these young kids are really nipping at his heels, he still is a magnificent, well-trained, well-disciplined tennis player at the apex of his career. He couldn't come to the U.S. Open in the United States because that liberal state had a mask requirement and a vaccination requirement. So they kept Djokovic out of the U.S. Open. All kinds of points and things are involved in this, rankings, money. He said, I don't care. I ain't coming. I'm not going to get vaccinated just to come to your tournament, even though it is the U.S. Open. He's a nine-time Australian Open champion. So they're going to, uh, uh, he was deported last year from Australia in January after a court in Australia upheld a decision by the then immigration minister, Alex Hawke, to cancel his visa. And at that time, Australia did not allow unvaccinated travelers into the country, and therefore they would not accept Djokovic's visa because his was not covered by an exemption. And as I said, he also did not play in the U.S. Open because New York would not admit anybody uh, who had not been vaccinated for COVID-19. Um, there you go. He is a 21-time Grand Slam champion. And um, Australia has come to their senses and agreed, hey, man, wait, you know, we're going to let him in. I thought that was, a, a, you, know, a, you know, all the strange sports stories today, of course, it's, it's really interesting to uh, muddle through this thing with uh, um, these two quarterbacks in Florida and try to figure out what the truth is. And I don't know what the truth is. It's just got a lot of smoking guns, doesn't it? Well, we're going to be back in a minute and talk about the canine, so-called canine dog crisis, which I shall expand into a larger show uh, probably next week. But I just want to talk about a couple of things. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files while we break for our sponsors and our donors and come back with the weather. Stay tuned.
Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward's Scott Files. We are in Ward's Weather Report, which is brought to you by Lewis Oil, our great sponsor, Wendell Lewis. And it's 51 degrees here in the Warthog Command Center outside. And um, really, we had a wonderful weekend uh, with a dreary day and a uh, fireplace roaring. It's the first time we've cranked up the uh, fireplace. And I have to tell you that all the wood we burned comes from um, fallen trees here at the uh, Windy Hill Farm. We uh, cut those uh, up and then we have a big ton, a uh, couple of ton uh, log splitter. And uh, we split it and, um, and and grow our own food, so to speak, and um, uh, for the fireplace. And I got to tell you a little bit about that in terms of uh, this fitting into the weather report. Of course, the weather, chilly, brings the advent of a fall season and winter. Um, but I was speaking to someone who had purchased his food or his food, his, his uh, wood at a local supermarket, and he had purchased eight sticks of wood fireplace length split for nine dollars nine dollars for eight pieces of wood 
And I got to thinking about that. You know, my golly, I said, I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars lying on the ground. They haven't come on if that's the way they're going to do it. And then I got to thinking about how that re- relates to food and how you're probably doing the same thing for food, paying much more for the food than you could have grown it for if you had the land to grow it on. And we've been talking about this theme for quite a while. So we pay close attention to nature in the countryside because it produces bounty by which you could live if you were not living in this society now that's all urban and industrialized. Um, So we pay attention to when the moon rises and sets and the sun rises and sets, and we pay attention to tree pollen, and we pay attention to uh, when the grass is growing and when it doesn't grow and what the temperature is at night and when we need to haul the hay to feed the cattle. Um, So, and we like the rain, you know, we're projected to have uh, more rain before Thanksgiving here. Uh, The rain was very welcome by us in the countryside because it was, uh, it's going to be able to uh, stimulate uh, that which depends on water and what doesn't depend on water. So uh, excess water, of course, is unwanted, but uh, these rains are very, very welcome. Now, we know that uh, we expect more. We think we're out of the hurricane season, and um, but the hurricane season left its mark here on both coasts. We know that, and Florida is uh, trying to recover from it as uh, uh, maybe it can't recover in some places because those places were built, as we say, on what? Sand rather than rock. Art thou heathens? Don't they know? Do not build your house on your castle on sand. Um, And if you're getting ready to travel, uh, just all you have to realize is take a look at the games that could not be played in the Northeast. The Buffalo Bills Stadium had, I think, snow up to the top level. It looked as if it did anyway. Uh, And they had to move those games over to Detroit. And and, that's not uncommon. Um, When you get this uh, storm come in like that, you have dumped a lot in northeast uh, part of the country, and you've dumped a lot in New York, and certainly the buffalo lives right at the end of a lake in the northern part, and really, from my friends who live there, who played there for the Bills, they tell me it can get right uncomfortable, and they've been complaining forever, wanting a dome stadium there, but uh, who knows if that's going to be in the picture, so it's 51 degrees here right now, Uh, put on a jacket if you're going out in our part of Florida. Well, 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 I'm going to talk a more, but I'm going to have a better program, a more thorough program, uh, if you've been paying attention at all to the hysteria associated with so-called canine dog. Um, I've gotten a lot of uh, communication from people who are frustrated by a group of malcontents uh, who have a, have a race card they play. This is kind of ironic based upon the conversation we just had about uh, the rapping N-word, that the, we have this uh, malcontent group of people coming down and accusing Gainesville Police Department, which is considerably minority now composed. Um, chiefs are both, former and present chief, are both um, black guys. I know them both. Um, and they can't do right. They can't even escape the clutches of the black racists. And these are black racists. Many people think of them that way. And even the cops think of them that way. The um, problem with uh, 
the, 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 the claim is that the police have somehow caused the misbehavior of the individual they were trying to apprehend. When we all know better than that, uh, we know that the, when we take a look at the misconduct history of these people, it's never just one little a bump in the road. There's always a pattern of behavior that has escaped the clutches of, uh, of um, justice, really. Adjudication withheld or any other deals that get worked out in these courts nowadays. Um, and, and they are learning the wrong lesson. And so this is uh, going to get worse before it gets better. And meanwhile, we have a situation where fewer and fewer people want to go into the law enforcement profession. And I want to take a moment and uh, report to you that uh, the Alachua County Sheriff was successful in trying to stave off uh, the malcontent of people who might want to enter the profession by offering a pretty significant raise. In fact, it's my understanding it's the most significant uh, raise in the history of Alachua County Sheriff's Office. Uh, I'll let others who have a longer uh, history of, um, of the rapport with the sheriffs all the way, I know all the way back to Lou Henry, uh, even back before that, um, you know, kind of what, uh, what was going on. It was a different world completely then. And now you have all this emphasis on um, social correctness. At the same time, you have to deal rather, uh, you know, significantly with bad guys who are not being presented as bad guys. So you have the bottom rail on the top, as many say. But the sheriff's office, and I just wanted to get into this a little bit with you. At some point, I'm going to actually have the sheriff on the show. But the uh, sworn employees got 11.4% COLA. Uh, this is um, bringing up to $47,023, which is still tough to live on and take the risk you're taking uh, out on the road and then take the crap you're taking from people who feel you can do nothing right. Um, this COLA is also, in addition to the step that sworn personnel, they're going to receive almost uh, a little over a 15% raise. So this is, a, this is a historic milestone. It doesn't get written about. Here's my point. It doesn't get publicized the way um, the canine hysteria has gotten publicized. It's, it's not fair to police officers, and there are bad apples in every profession, we know that, but it's not fair to police officers that the press covers all the negativity but doesn't cover um, the good things that are going on by these guys who run these police outfits who are trying to do the best they can. Now, one of the problems with, and get this, a lot of people don't understand this, with GPD is it is governed by the city commission. By that, I mean the city commission hires and fires the chiefs. That's not good because the city commission plays politics with the police. And the political card that the city commission is asked to respond to is the race card. Now, looking at the dynamics of the interaction between uh, what some people call the black racists who came and hollered that the canines were bad, and the cops were bad, and the city commission, I think it hurt 
the black folks who came there hollering at the canines were bad. I think it really set them back because there are people who are just fed up with that and know it is not on point. It's not the center problem. You could do away with the police dogs, and I guarantee you I know what would happen. The crime rate would get worse. And where would it get worse? In East Gainesville. I mean, that's just the way it would work. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been here a long time, and I've observed what is going on for a long time. So now the uh, the sheriffs of these counties are not subject to being micromanaged and appointed and fired by the county commissions. They are charter officers and they're elected by the public. Now the county commission does get involved with appropriating the budget, but this sheriff, obviously this interaction with this county commission got a unanimous vote in support and went beyond his request for money for raises. That's really unheard of. That's really unheard of. So the fact that this sheriff was able to interact with these commissioners who tend to be all liberal, who tend to be anti-law, who, uh, uh, you know, uh, tend to, uh, you know, squeak the same wheel, was able to show them, you know, if you don't pay people properly, I'm going to be worse than it is now. And they listened and unanimously supported The city commission and GPD has not been able to do this. They have been interrupted because of the political structure of the government between the commission and the city police. That's just the way it's set up. Here in the city of Alachua, the city commission interacts with the city police. But our city police and our city commission have a good relationship. They understand each other. And that is to be commended by the commission and the police force here in the city of Wallachia. So it is uh, one more kind of unnecessary hyperbole and hysteria that uh, distorts the real issue. The real issue is, I think, what DeSantis is taking on when he's trying to stop this thing we call woke. Woke is based on the notion that everybody is a racist by virtue of being a descendant of a European culture. Uh, Let me just show you how significant that is in Britain. Now, we are descendants of the British Commonwealth. We are an uh, English-speaking country. We, uh, we uh, uh, have all the uh, political models are set up on uh, our relationship with uh, our motherland, if you will. And yet, if you take a look at uh, a poll that uh, was done in... See if I can find it here in Britain. Uh, the young people there are convinced that 50%, about 50% of them are convinced that the problem with the modern culture 
is at it is derived from racist society. And, you know, everyone knows who studies uh, everything kind of objectively. That is that uh, every generation rewrites its ethics. And you cannot go back and apply today's ethics to uh, yesterday's culture. And I'll give you a good example. When the young man from Miami broke his word with Miami, once upon a time, he would have fallen out of favor for that. He would have been ostracized for that. He would have been the one who was disenfranchised. But now, the ethics of this culture accept it as a normal way of doing business. In fact, would think he was foolish not to. Has no trouble with the University of Florida promoting this with a Lamborghini and the kid in a video. With this once upon a time, in a that would have been culturally, ethically, totally distasteful. Dishonorable. To break a word, to break a contract simply for convenience and financial reward. So now, in the United Kingdom, just under half of the people polled there by something called YouGov supported the claim that the United Kingdom was founded on systemic racism. And the research indicated that so-called critical race theory concepts are consequently being widely taught in British schools. So here we take, how far back does that go? 1600s. Hey, it goes all the way back to Othello. Oh, that's what Othello wrote, uh, Shakespeare wrote about in Othello. But so you're trying to take 21st century ethics and apply them to 1600, 1700 culture. Now, the university should be smarter than that. They should make the point I'm making right now. That the same thing is going to happen to you today. Something you think right now is acceptable. 40, 50 years from now is not going to be acceptable. And they're going to say, why in the world did they do that? Why did they let them do that? Every generation is going to churn ethics. And the mistake is going to be they're going to go, try to go back and apply the cultures, supplant it with the, their ethics. So the Telegraph, this is an organization that studied this, 42% of 18 to 24-year-old uh, reported themselves uh, in, in believing that teach students that Britain was founded on racism and remains structurally racist today. Do you know where the longest war is right now going on 
Uh, I looked at it a moment ago. I, I don't have it on my computer right now. The longest war that has resulted in more violence and more death than Ukraine is going on in Africa. Between two black cultures. You don't hear about it. In fact, I'm going to make sure I double back and I had it just a little bit before we went on the air. I'm going to make sure and double back and, you know, why isn't that reported? Well, it's not a convenient truth. If the university were really doing its job and the media were really doing its job, it would focus on that war. And I'm going to be a little bit prepared next time and give you the name of those cultures that are fighting in Africa. It's going going on longer than the Ukraine and has more violence in it than the Ukraine situation does. So um, I fault the universities for not putting things in the long view of history. You can't you can't take the present moment and not put it in the long view of history if you want to really teach the present moment. Um, here is something that is a manifestation of this war. I'll probably close with this. Jeremiah Poff, the nation's largest teachers union, has created a guide on how to use pronouns. Now, listen, all of a sudden, I have to say there's something to be said for people calling attention to pronouns because I could never get students to pay attention to them. But now you have to be careful that you don't sexualize them. You've got to cleanse yourself of his and her, he and she. Okay. Now, what the, the teachers union says, you should use Z and Zer, Z-E and Z-I-R. Can you believe this? It's called a pronoun guide. The Washington Examiner has reviewed it, and this is the way it works. In English, we have two sets of gendered pronouns, she, her, hers, and him, he, him, his. These pronouns are all attached to a particular gender. Very important in wills, very important in your, 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 very, your documents that need to be uh, carefully written that you don't mix these pronouns up. So uh, now with transgender and non-binary introduction into the culture, the teacher's union is teaching that these pronouns need to be not he, she, they, but z, zim, zire, zers, and zerself. Zerself is spelled z-i-r, S-E-L-F. And you're supposed to pronounce them singular, uh, similarly to they and them pronouns. Zerself. I never heard, you know, I, I, I guess once again, uh, I, this has all passed me by. So people who identify as transgender or non-binary, they need to uh, be sure uh, that the plural they is commonly used instead of the gender he or she. 
Uh, I'm not going to go into that anymore. We're out of time. But that is a rewriting of the ethics of language. We'll have a great show tomorrow. Uh, going to have a costume designer for the ballet sets. Man, is this going to be interesting. Thanks so much for tuning in. Warhol Command Center out.